Section two of the Wood Beyond the World. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, and to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Cory Samuel. The Wood Beyond the World by William Morris. Chapter four. Storm befalls the Bartholomew, and she is driven off her course. Now swift sailed the Bartholomew for four weeks toward the northwest with a fair wind, and all was well with ship and crew. Then the wind died out on even of a day, so that the ship scarce made way at all, though she rolled in a great swell of the sea, so great that it seemed to ridge all the main athwart. Moreover, down in the west was a great bank of cloud huddled up in haze, whereas for twenty days past the sky had been clear save for a few bright white clouds flying before the wind. Now the shipmaster, a man right cunning in his craft, looked long on sea and sky, and then turned and bade the mariners take in sail and be right heedful. And when Walter asked him what he looked for, and whereof he spake not to him thereof, he said surlily, Why should I tell thee what any fool can see without telling, to wit that there is weather to hand? So they abode what should befall, and Walter went to his room to sleep away the uneasy while, for the night was now fallen, and he knew no more till he was waked up by great hubbub and clamour of the shipmen, and the whipping of ropes, and thunder of flapping sails, and the tossing and weltering of the ship withal. But, being a very stout-hearted young man, he lay still in his room, partly because he was a landsman, and had no mind to tumble about amongst the shipmen and hinder them and withal he said to himself, What matter whether I go down to the bottom of the sea, or come back to Langton, since either way my life or my death will take away from me the fulfilment of desire? Yet soothly, if there hath been a shift of wind, that is not so ill, for then shall we be driven to other lands, and so at the least our homecoming shall be delayed, and other tidings may hap amidst of our tarrying. So, let all be as it will, so in a little while, in spite of the ship's wallowing and the tumult of the wind and waves, he fell asleep again, and woke no more till it was full daylight, and there was the shipmaster standing in the door of his room, the sea-water all streaming from his wet-weather raiment. He said to Walter, Young master, the seal of the day to thee, for by good hap we have gotten into another day. Now I shall tell thee that we have striven to beat, so as not to be driven off our course, but all would not avail, Wherefore, for these three hours we have been running before the wind, but fair sir, so big hath been the sea, that but for our ship being of the stoutest, and our men all year, we had all grown exceedingly wise concerning the ground of the mid-main. Praise be to St. Nicholas, and all hallows, for though ye shall presently look upon a new sea, and maybe a new land to boot, yet is that better than looking on the ugly things down below. Is all well with ship and crew, then? said Walter. Yea, forsooth, said the shipmaster, verily the Bartholomew is the darling of Oakwoods. Come up and look at it, how she is dealing with wind and waves, all free from fear. So Walter did on his foul-weather raiment, and went up on to the quarter-deck, and there indeed was a change of days, for the sea was dark and tumbling mountain-high, and the white horses were running down the valleys thereof, 
and the clouds drove low over all, and bore a scud of rain along with them. And though there was but a rag of sail on her, the ship flew before the wind, rolling a great wash of water from bulwark to bulwark. Walter stood, looking on it all the while, holding on by a stay-rope, and saying to himself that it was well that they were driving so fast toward new things. Then the shipmaster came up to him, and clapped him on the shoulder, and said, "'Well, shipmate, cheer up, and now come below again, and eat some meat, and drink a cup with me.' So Walter went down, and ate, and drank, and his heart was lighter than it had been since he had heard of his father's death, and the feud awaiting him at home, which forsooth he had deemed would stay his wanderings a weary while, and therewithal his hopes. But now it seemed, as if he needs must wander, would he, would he not? And so it was, that even this fed his hope, so sore his heart clung to that desire of his, to seek home to those three that seemed to call him unto them. CHAPTER Five, NOW THEY COME TO A NEW LAND Three days they drave before the wind, and on the fourth the clouds lifted, the sun shone out, and the offing was clear. The wind had much abated, though it still blew a breeze, and was a head-wind for sailing toward the country of Langton. So then the master said that, since they were bewildered, and the wind so ill to deal with, it were best to go still before the wind, that they might make some land, and get knowledge of their whereabouts from the folk thereof. With all he said, that he deemed the land not to be very far distant. So did they, and sailed on pleasantly enough, for the weather kept on mending, and the wind fell till it was but a light breeze, yet still foul for Langton. So wore three days, and on the eve of the third the man from the topmast cried out that he saw land ahead. And so did they all before the sun was quite set, though it were but a cloud no bigger than a man's hand. When night fell they struck not sail, but went forth toward the land fair and softly, for it was early summer, so that the nights were neither long nor dark. But when it was broad daylight they opened a land, a long shore of rocks and mountains, and naught else that they could see at first. Nevertheless, as day wore and they grew nigher, first they saw how the mountains fell away from the sea, and were behind a long wall of sheer cliff and coming nigher yet, they beheld a green plain, going up after a little, in green bents and slopes, to the feet of the said cliff wall. No city nor haven did they see there, not even when they were far nigher to the land. Nevertheless, whereas they hankered for the peace of the green earth, after all the tossing and unrest of the sea, and whereas also they doubted not to find at the least good and fresh water, and belike other bait in the plain under the mountains, they still sailed on, not unmerrily, so that by nightfall they cast anchor in five-fathom water hard by the shore. Next morning they found that they were lying a little way off the mouth of a river not right great. So they put out their boats, and towed the ship up into the said river, and when they had gone up it for a mile or thereabouts, they found the sea-water failed, for little was the ebb and flow of the tide on that coast. Then was the river deep and clear, running between smooth grassy land like two meadows. Also on their left board they saw presently three head of neat cattle going, as if in a meadow of a homestead in their own land, and a few sheep, and thereafter about a bow-draught from the river, 
they saw a little house of wood and straw thatch under a wooded mound and with orchard trees about it. They wondered little thereat, for they knew no cause why that land should not be builded, though it were in the far outlands. However, they drew their ship up to the bank, thinking that they would at least abide a while and ask tidings and have some refreshing of the green plain, which was so lovely and pleasant. But while they were busied herein, they saw a man come out of the house and down to the river to meet them, and they soon saw that he was tall and old, long hoary of hair and beard, and clad mostly in the skins of beasts. He drew nigh without any fear or mistrust, and coming close to them gave them the seal of the day in a kindly and pleasant voice. The shipmaster greeted him in his turn, and said withal, Old man, art thou the king of this country? The elder laughed. It hath had none other a long while, said he, and at least there is no other son of Adam here to gainsay. Thou art alone here, then, said the master. Yea, said the old man, save for the beasts of the field and the wood, and the creeping things and fowl. Wherefore it is sweet to me to hear your voices. Said the master, where be the other houses of the town? The old man laughed. Said he, when I said that I was alone, I meant that I was alone in the land, and not only alone in this stead. There is no house save this, betwixt the sea and the dwellings of the bears, over the cliff-wall yonder, yea, and a long way over it. Yea, quoth the shipmaster grinning, and be the bears of thy country so manlike that they dwell in builded houses. The old man shook his head. Sir, said he, as to their bodily fashion it is altogether manlike, save that they be one and all higher and bigger than most, for they be bears only in name, they be a nation of half-wild men, for I have been told by them that there be many more than that tribe whose folk I have seen, and that they spread wide about behind these mountains from east to west. Now, sir, as to their souls and understandings, I warrant them not, for miscreants they be, trowing neither in God nor his hallows. Said the master, Trow they in Mahound, then? Nay, said the elder, I wot not for sure that they have so much as a false god, though I have it from them that they worship a certain woman with mickle worship. Then spake Walter, Yea, good sir, and how knowest thou that? Dost thou deal with them at all? Said the old man, While some of that folk come hither, and have of me what I can spare, a calf or two, or half a dozen of lambs, or hoggets, or a skin of wine or cider of mine own making, and they give me in return such things as I can use, as skins of hart and bear and other peltries, for now I am old I can but little of the hunting hereabout. Whiles also they bring little lumps of pure copper, and would give me gold also, but it is of little use in this lonely land. Sooth to say, to me they are not masterful or rough-handed, but glad am I that they have been here but of late, and are not like to come again this while. For terrible they are of aspect, and whereas ye be aliens, belike they would not hold their hands from off you, and moreover ye have weapons and other matters which they would covet sorely. Quoth the master, Since thou dealest with these wild men, will ye not deal with us in chaffer? For whereas we are come from long travel, we hanker after fresh victual, and here aboard are many things which were for thine avail. Said the old man, All that I have is yours, 
so that ye do but leave me enough till my next ingathering. Of wine and cider such as it is, I have plenty for your service. Ye may drink it till it is all gone, if ye will. A little corn and meal I have, but not much. Yet are ye welcome thereto, since the standing corn in my garth is done blossoming, and I have other meat. Cheeses have I, and dried fish, take what ye will thereof. But as to my neat and sheep, if ye have sore need of any, and will have them, I may not say you nay, but I pray you, if ye may do without them, not to take my milch-beasts, or their engenderers, for, as ye have heard me say, the bear-folk have been here but of late, and they have had all of me I might spare. But now, let me tell you, if ye long after flesh-meat, that there is venison of hut and hind, yea, and of buck and doe, to be had on this plain, and about the little woods at the feet of the rock-wall yonder, neither are they exceeding wild, for since I may not take them I scare them not, and no other man do they see to hurt them, for the bear-folk come straight to my house, and fare straight home thence. But I will lead you the nighest way to where the venison is easiest to be gotten. As to the wares in your ship, if you will give me out, I will take it with a good will, and chiefly if you have a fair knife or two, and a roll of linen-cloth, that were a good refreshment to me. But in any case, what I have to give is free to you and welcome." The shipmaster laughed. Friend, said he, we can thee mickle thanks for all that thou biddest us, and what well that we be no lifters or sea-thieves to take thy livelihood from thee. So to-morrow, if thou wilt, we will go with thee, and upraise the hunt, and meanwhile we will come aland, and walk on the green grass, and water our ship with thy good fresh water. So the old carl went back to his house to make them ready what cheer he might, and the shipmen, who were twenty and one all told, what with the mariners, and Arnold, and Walter's servants, went ashore, all but two who watched the ship, and abode their turn. They went well weaponed, for both the master and Walter deemed wariness wisdom, lest all might not be so good as it seemed. They took of their sailcloths ashore, and tilted them in on the meadow betwixt the house and the ship, and the carl brought them what he had for their avail, of fresh fruits and cheeses and milk and wine and cider and honey, and there they feasted no wise ill, and were right fain. CHAPTER Six, THE OLD MAN TELLS WALTER OF HIMSELF Walter sees a shard in a cliff wall. But when they had done their meat and drink, the master and the shipmen went about the watering of the ship, and the others strayed off along the meadow, so that presently Walter was left alone with the carl, and fell to speech with him, and said, Father, meseemeth thou shouldest have some strange tale to tell, and as yet we have asked thee of naught save meat for our bellies. Now, if I ask thee concerning thy life, and how thou camest hither, and abided here, wilt thou tell me out? The old man smiled on him, and said, Son, my tale were long to tell, and may happen concerning much thereof my memory should fail me, and withal there is grief therein, which I were loath to awaken. Nevertheless, if thou ask, I will answer as I may, and in any case will tell thee naught save the truth said Walter. Well, then, hast thou been long here? Yea, said the carl, since I was a young man, and a stalwart knight. Said Walter, This house, didst thou build it, 
and raise these garths, and plant orchard and vineyard, and gather together the neat and the sheep, or did some other do all this for thee? Said the carl, I did none of all this. There was one here before me, and I entered into his inheritance, as though this were a lordly manor, with a fair castle thereon, and all well stocked and plenished. Said Walter, Didst thou find thy foregoer alive here? Yea, said the elder, yet he lived but for a little while after I came to him. He was silent a while, and then he said, I slew him. Even so would he have it, though I bade him a better lot. Said Walter, Didst thou come hither of thine own will? May happen, said the carl, who knoweth? Now I have no will to do either this or that. It is want that maketh me do or refrain. Said Walter, Tell me this. Why didst thou slay the man? Did he any scathe to thee? Said the elder, When I slew him, I deemed that he was doing me all scathe. But now I know that it was not so. Thus it was. I would needs go where he had been before, and he stood in the path against me and I overthrew him, and went on the way I would. "'What came thereof?' said Walter. "'Evil came of it,' said the carl. Then was Walter silent a while, and the old man spake nothing. But there came a smile in his face that was both sly and somewhat sad. Walter looked on him, and said, "'Was it from hence that thou wouldst go that road?' "'Yea,' said the carl said Walter. And now, wilt thou tell me what that road was, whither it went and whereto it led, that thou must needs wend it, though thy first stride were over a dead man? I will not tell thee, said the carl. Then they held their peace, both of them, and thereafter got on to other talk of no import. So wore the day till night came, and they slept safely, and on the morrow after they had broken their fast, the more part of them set off with the carl to the hunting, and they went, all of them, a three hours faring towards the foot of the cliffs, which was all grown over with coppice, hazel and thorn, with here and there a big oak or ash-tree. There it was, said the old man, where the venison was most and best. Of their hunting need naught be said, saving that when the carl had put them on the track of the deer, and shown them what to do, he came back again with Walter, who had no great lust for the hunting, and sorely longed to have some more talk with the said carl. He for his part seemed naught loath thereto, and so led Walter to a mound or hillock amidst the clear of the plain, whence all was to be seen save where the wood covered it. But just before where they now lay down there was no wood, save low bushes, betwixt them and the rock wall. And Walter noted that, whereas otherwhere, save in one place whereto their eyes were turned, the cliffs seemed well nigh, or quite sheer, or indeed in some places beetling over. In that said place they fell away from each other on either side, and before this sinking was a slope or scree that went gently up toward the sinking of the wall. Walter looked long and earnestly at this place, and spake naught, till the carl said, What? Thou hast found something before thee to look on? What is it, then? Quoth Walter, some would say that where yonder slopes run together, up towards that sinking in the cliff wall, there will be a pass into the country beyond. 
The carl smiled, and said, Yea, son, nor so saying would they err, for that is the pass into the bear country, whereby those huge men come down to chaffer with me. Yea, said Walter, and therewith he turned him a little, and scanned the rock wall, and saw how a few miles from that pass it turned somewhat sharply toward the sea, narrowing the plain much there, till it made a bite, the face whereof looked well nigh north, instead of west, as did the moor part of the wall. And in the midst of that northern-looking bite was a dark place, which seemed to Walter like a downright shard in the cliff, for the face of the wall was of a bleak grey, and it was but little furrowed. So then Walter spake. Lo, old friend, there yonder is again a place that meseemeth is a pass. Whereunto doth that one lead? And he pointed to it. But the old man did not follow the pointing of his finger, but looking down on the ground, answered confusedly, and said, Maybe, I wot not. I deem that it also leadeth into the bear country by a roundabout road. It leadeth into the far land. Walter answered naught, for a strange thought had come uppermost in his mind, that the carl knew far more than he would say of that pass, and that he himself might be led thereby to find the wondrous three. He caught his breath hardly, and his heart knocked against his ribs, but he refrained from speaking for a long while. But at last he spake in a sharp, hard voice, which he scarce knew for his own. Father, tell me, I adjure thee by God and all hallows, was it through yonder shard that the road lay, when thou must needs make thy first stride over a dead man? The old man spake not a while. Then he raised his head and looked Walter full in the eyes, and said in a steady voice, No, it was not. Thereafter they sat looking at each other a while, but at last Walter turned his eyes away, but knew not what they beheld nor where he was, but he was as one in a swoon, for he knew full well that the carl had lied to him, and that he might as well have said I as no, and told him that it verily was by that same shard that he had stridden over a dead man. Nevertheless he made as little semblance thereof as he might, and presently came to himself, and fell to talking of other matters, that had naught to do with the adventures of the land. But after a while he spake suddenly, and said, My master, I was thinking of a thing. Yea, of what? said the carl. Of this, said Walter, that here in this land be strange adventures toward, and that if we, and I in especial, were to turn our backs on them, and go home with nothing done, it were pity of our lives, for all will be dull and deedless there. I were deeming it were good if we tried the adventure. "'What adventure?' said the old man, rising up on his elbow and staring sternly on him. Said Walter, "'The wending yonder pass to the eastward, whereby the huge men come to thee from out of the bear country, that we might see what should come thereof.' The carl leaned back again, and smiled and shook his head and spake. "'That adventure was speedily proven. Death would come of it, my son.' Yea, and how? said Walter. The carl said, The big men would take thee, and offer thee up as a blood offering to that woman who is their moormet. And if ye go all, then shall they do the like with all of you. Said Walter, Is that sure? Dead sure, said the carl. How knowest thou this? said Walter. I have been there myself, said the carl. 
"'Yea,' said Walter, "'but thou camest away whole. "'Art thou sure thereof?' said the carl. "'Thou art alive yet, old man,' said Walter, "'for I have seen thee eat thy meat, "'which ghosts use not to do.' "'And he laughed. "'But the old man answered soberly, "'If I escaped, it was by this, "'that another woman saved me, "'and not often shall that befall. "'Nor wholly was I saved. "'My body escaped forsooth. "'But where is my soul? "'Where is my heart and my life? "'Young man, I read thee, Try no such adventure, but go home to thy kindred, if thou canst. Moreover, wouldst thou fare alone, the others shall hinder thee. Said Walter, I am the master, they shall do as I bid them. Besides, they will be well pleased to share my goods amongst them, if I give them a writing to clear them of all charges which might be brought against them. My son, my son, said the carl, I pray thee go not to thy death. Walter heard him silently, but as if he were persuaded to refrain, and then the old man fell to, and told him much concerning this bear-folk and their customs, speaking very freely of them. But Walter's ears were scarce open to this talk, whereas he deemed that he should have naught to do with those wild men, and he durst not ask again concerning the country, whereto led the pass on the northward. End of section 2